up, sons and daughters? We are back for week six of the Locked to Saturday. I'm here with the crew, Robert, Ed, and Chris. Ed, with a, a big yawn to start us off, dude. It's only 9.54 p.m. Dude, I got up early. I went duck hunting this morning. It was so much fun, but I'm exhausted. I was up at 3.50. Wait, 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 wait. You're going to say you would go duck hunting and had the ducks right behind me in my background? Yeah, it might not be a good omen for 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 the boys. Shoot, maybe not. Maybe I need to change uh, change some thoughts. I'll stick with it. Yeah, um, your picks are toast now. There's well, no way around it. Are they toast? Because right now I have the best record of anyone on the locks of Saturday at a slightly above 515 and 13. Brett, um, who is not with us tonight, he's moving into a new house. Congratulations to Brett. And uh, he's at 13 and 15. Chris at 12 and Chris, you're, you're a little bit behind him. Robert, you're a little further behind him Ed, your way behind him, but we'll figure it out. We're not even halfway through. We'll figure it out. Uh, and we have a really fun slate for this week. Like I think this is going to be a really fun weekend of college football simply because of the game that's kicking us off. College game day is headed to Lawrence, Kansas for a football game where Texas Christian, one of the, Somewhat surprised teams, but I'll tell you, Chris, you were up on the Horn Frogs all year long. They are seven-point favorites against the undefeated Kansas Jayhawks. This game is at noon on FS1. The over/under is a whopping sixty-seven and a half. Ed, kick us off, man. Yeah, I, this was tough because I've really enjoyed Kansas and what they've got going on. They have a you know dark horse Heisman candidate playing quarterback uh it's just it's been really fun to see a basketball school actually if you really think about it across the country there's a lot of basketball schools playing some really good football but kansas has been at the forefront of that um, but i'm going to go with tcu here after what they did last week uh to oklahoma I, I think they're riding high they're playing really really good offense right now and i think the whole game day thing and the the success maybe will start to wear on kansas a little bit um They've beaten some good teams, but I don't think they've beaten anybody of the caliber of some of the teams TCU's been able to handle so far. Um, so I'm going to go with TCU. I don't love that it's a full touchdown, um, but I, I think it might just be too much going on in the world of Kansas right now for them to come out on top in this one. So I'm going to go with the touchdown for TCU. Yeah, I'm going to go with TCU. I'm with you. I'm on the Horn Frogs for this one. I think that's – I don't know if you can see the hand signal with the background, but little Horn Frog there. Um the, the reason I really like TCU is because not only have they outperformed themselves on offense, they've done so on defense as well. I think that'll be a little bit too much for Kansas. They probably should have lost to Iowa State last week. They didn't play well offensively. They struggled to move the ball. They would get one or two first downs and then couldn't finish drives. Iowa State's kicker missed three pretty easy kicks. That's not going to happen against TCU. This TCU offense has been something really special so far this season. They are number five in EPA per pass, number four in EPA per rush, number five in early down EPA. That's first and second down. And if they don't pick up the first down on those, that's okay because they're number 13 in third and fourth down EPA. Compare that to the Kansas defense, who is 82nd in pass and 58th in rush EPA. They're 117th in echo rate, which is basically is controlling the down and distance. Are you winning on each and every play? They're not doing that very much. And they're also a really, really poor third and fourth down defense. So although I love the Kansas story, I said it was going to be like 2007 this year. I didn't mean like this, 
but um, I'm going to go TCU in this one. I just think they're the better team. And I think after this week, TCU might be the favorite in the Big 12, uh, depending on how Texas looks and if Quinn Ewers is back to, to full health. But I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs as road favorites. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree. Um, and for a lot of good reasons, but um, uh, Sandy kind of alluded to it to start off uh, with just being on TCU. Before the season even started, we were looking at kind of random teams. And, uh, you know, when we started off the podcast for this season, I talked about the TARP metric, which is an action network driven metric that's transferring assets and returning production, the kind of different way to look at who is valuable to start off the season. And the number one team in total value there was TCU. And I was just very curious of what that meant, uh, obviously, with Sonny Dykes being the new head coach there. And usually it's like, yeah, you have a lot of uh, returning type production, but in a new system, new regime, like what does that really, really mean? Um, so that was, you know, obviously something to look at. I eventually went to towards Mississippi State for my kind of, you know, value over under on wins. Uh, but in that, Kansas was number five in power five. I think they were in the top 10 in total TARP. Uh, so another way of identifying these valuable type teams that didn't necessarily look great. And this isn't, you know, a dictator of success across the board, but very interesting that each of these teams kind of rose to the top in the Big 12 to start off just based off of just seeing how, I, I guess, experienced, mature, whatever have you um, with those two teams. And, uh, you know, that's where I just don't see the amount of separation to justify a touchdown spread with TCU being a road favorite uh, at Kansas because literally nobody saw either of these teams coming out of nowhere. Um, and so I just don't see that there is a justification there to rank Yumi a rate and value Kansas so low. Um, I love good home underdogs, especially uh, if it's over or at a touchdown. I feel like there's incredible value there. Um, the SRS ratings have these teams each also pretty dead even. I think TCU is sixth overall. Kansas is ninth. Um, so there's just not a lot of separation, not not that much that justifies a touchdown, like I said before. Um, against common level power five type opponents, um, I just feel like KU, you, you mentioned that they don't have a stellar defense, but they have a good enough type defense. Granted, TCU's offense is pretty solid, but this also doesn't factor in that Kansas is a very efficient ground type based running team and TCU's defense is nothing uh, to, to lot about either too. So I do feel like Kansas is going to be able to put up points, which if you look, the over under is 67 and a half points. I think Vegas believes there's going to be points in this game as well. So I do feel like Kansas can, can keep pace. Um, uh, another one is I love fading the public. And right now the action volume is on TCU public wise at 63%. I hate taking open public road favorites. I love home dogs that are being undervalued. Um, and the, I think the number one thing I'm looking forward to is that 9 a.m. panoramic into college game day. And it's going to be dead silent. And all of a sudden they're going to load into the rock chalk chant. It's going to be kind of creepy, but also kind of cool at the same time. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I'm, I, I don't know if they'll do it right off the bat, but usually when they set up in a new area, they kind of do whatever it is their, their home chant. So you know that's going to lead uh, the, the top of the college game day broadcast. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So rock chalk. Yeah, you know, I've I've made this point on the podcast before. Um, 
but there are just some teams out there and this is across the board, not just with college football, but you know, with a lot of these sports in general, where, you know, you have these extreme surprise teams um, and it, it can take a little bit of time for, you know, these projection models that the sports books use to catch up to that. Um, and so like, for example, uh, I bet on my beloved Orioles to make the playoffs on July 22nd. They, at that time, they were only four and a half games out of a playoff spot. They were one of the hottest teams in the league. And yet those odds were still plus 1500 and teams with worse records, such as the White Sox, Rangers, and Angels, all had better odds at the time, even though the Orioles were a better team and had displayed that at the time. Granted, the Orioles still did not make the playoffs, sadly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They still finished way closer than those other teams and then other teams ahead of them. So my point being is that while the Orioles did not achieve that feat, the value there was insane because they were still being undervalued. And I think Kansas is a similar team, um, you know, because the projections had them being absolutely god-awful. And so I think there's still a bit of that skew in those projections today. For example, they are still plus a 1,000 to win the Big 12 right now, while all other teams that they are tied for first with all have much better odds. And they even have worse odds right now than Baylor, who just lost and didn't look very good doing it last week. Um I think, I think it'll take a little bit of time for the models to catch up. And so you can also see how Kansas has outperformed these projections because they're 5-0 and against the spread, and they are covering by an average of 15.5 points a game. Um, so they are absolutely killing it on the spread. Honestly, I'm not really sure if they're going to win this game, um, but I just don't think being a 7-point home underdog really makes a ton of sense. Um, I think it's a bit of an overreaction to how TCU – handled Oklahoma last week, as well as the models, like I said, not catching up. I think ultimately Kansas does lose a heartbreaker because I do think TCU is just a hair more talented, uh, but I think they'll cover. So I see this as like a three or four point win for TCU. So I'm taking Kansas to cover. Should be a fun game. I think it's awesome that college football, and I feel like game day has kind of caught on to this as well. It's it's about more than Alabama AM. It's about more than USC being back. It's about more than Ohio State. Like it's about all of these teams that sometimes aren't great at football, sometimes really suck, but they deserve light too. So I think a TCU Kansas for game day is is really awesome. Uh, and if you see our nice background our overlay, the the game scores coming up here on YouTube. By the way, if you're listening to this on Spotify and you would like to see our devilishly handsome faces and all these awesome graphics, head over to YouTube. We're on YouTube. All this on Saturday podcast, a bunch of content is, is up on YouTube. And a special thanks to the newest member of the Locks of Saturday team, our brand new podcast producer, Mr. Dom Boltz, Virginia Tech student himself. So everyone, welcome Dom. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, Dom, like you said, student at Tech. Excited to be on board. Hopefully make the podcast a little better. Maybe throwing a pick every now and then makes people some money. You know what I'm saying? You you know Let's what? We, we need it. Um, you can't, couldn't tell. You can't have a gambling podcast without some random guy named Dom chiming in on his random picks exactly. that he has. And I think that makes us more official of a degenerate level podcast, especially when it's a name powered by Dom Bolts. Dom Bolt's picks. That sounds legit to me. I don't know about you. So what's your what's your one pick this week? You know, 
just thinking about the game you were just talking about, I love Kansas. I mean, they're America's team right now. Everyone's on Kansas. I mean, their team total wins for the season was like three and a half. They're already at five. Everyone loves them right now. So give me Kansas. I did say it was going to be like 2007. We all like Dom already going with Kansas. Smart man. Awesome. Well, uh, Dom's doing some awesome work for us. Um, and this is going. This production is going to only enhance uh, week over week this season. So thanks so much, Dom. And we're going to go to our next game. As we were talking about the little guys, talking about the big boys again, uh, Tennessee and Heisman hopeful Hendon Hooker are three-point favorites in Death Valley against the LSU Tigers, an LSU team that we wrote off early in this season after a tough loss to Florida State. All of a sudden, LSU's back in the top 25. Ed, who do you got between the Vols and the Tigers? I hate that LSU is in the top 25, by the way. That is ridiculous. Brian Kelly and that the mess that it has been so far, and he still somehow has in the top 25. It props to him, I guess. I mean, the guy clearly knows what he's good. doing. They're not. They're not that good, but you know what? He's he's a four and one, and he's got him in the top twenty five. Um, but I'm on Tennessee all the way. I've been on Tennessee all year. I have a preseason Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman bet in that still has life. Um, he's been phenomenal for them, and I think Tennessee's a really really good team. They're eighth right now in the AP poll. Um, I could see, I realistically could see them somehow squeaking into the playoff when it's all said and done. Um, I, I like this Tennessee team a lot. So I'm going to go with them, uh, even on the road by a field goal. Um, may even consider, you know, I don't know if I'll do it or not. We'll see if I do it. But I may consider even uh, buying some more points there and having them win by like six and a half, something like that. Uh, I like Tennessee's offense, man. Hendon Hooker's absolutely killing it. So go Vols. Um, no more Brian Kelly in the top 25. You know, Last week, I would have picked Tennessee. I was on Tennessee. I said Tennessee plus 10 against Florida. Easy, easy bet. It looked easy, and then there was a bit of a backdoor cover. Now, the old Sam, the Sam who's done poor, if you follow my Twitter on gambling so far, um, I would have said ride Tennessee. That was a backdoor cover. They should be fine this week. But now I'm looking at it, and they kind of let a quarterback who wasn't very good but was big and athletic score some points on them and come back in that game. And now they're going up against a quarterback who is big and athletic on the road in one of, if not the toughest place to play in the country at LSU. And look, I know that was a really unfortunate loss LSU had at the beginning of the year to a Florida State team that's really good, not great, but still good. But this LSU team's on a roll. They had a really good win against Mississippi State. Um, their rush defense is really, really good. Eighth in EPA per rush defense so far. And I just look at this matchup and I look at like, what does LSU do well and what does Tennessee do well? And there's no obvious, like, there's nothing obvious that either one of these teams do that's a huge mismatch against the other. So although I really like Tennessee this year, I really like Hendon Hooker. I'm going to go with the home dogs here. I'm going to go LSU plus three. And, and if you look at this as well, um, Tennessee games have gone over in nine of 10, which means A, they are really good offensively, but B, they're really poor defensively still. And on the road, don't have the crowd behind you. I think LSU is going to be able to get some points, even though their offense isn't great. I could see this game coming down to a really wild and crazy finish. 
So I'm going to take the points and the home team in that scenario. Another factor, and maybe the biggest factor of them all, massive sandwich game for Tennessee. You have game day in the big atmosphere at home against Florida. You win in a thrilling fashion. It's awesome. You're feeling good. Now you have to travel. One of the furthest travels you can have in the SEC from Knoxville to Baton Rouge. Travel down there to play them. Only next week you have Bama coming to town. Huge letdown spot right here for Tennessee with Bama on the horizon. Give me LSU. Uh, in the words of Coach O, go Tigers. I'm in agreement, Sam. Um, LSU plus three. Uh, the big thing for me is I'm just getting the better team at home as a home underdog, similar to what we just talked about, Kansas. Um, emphasis here is on the defensive side of the ball for LSU, also with the added element that they are in Death Valley. Uh, so it's while it's not a night crowd in Death Valley, it still is there, and that's a tough environment to not only be, uh, I guess, win, on the road in the sec but to win there on the road in the sec um that that's tough to do and i just don't know if tennessee until i see them be able to win dominantly on the road against common to i would say mid to high level sec opponents um i'm going to just take the home team in this case a good home team uh you you mentioned that there wasn't an obvious advantage kind of mismatch i i I can see that, but I also somewhat disagree. It's obviously the Tennessee offense versus um, for the uh, disparity versus the LSU defense. And to me, that is the largest marginal difference where the LSU defense rates out higher than the Tennessee offense. So it's they have an 83, 80, 89.6 composite rating on PFF on defense. And Tennessee has an 80 composite rating on offense. Um, so that's a somewhat of a significant, almost 10 point gap. Um, that's not as big on the opposite side. You know, Tennessee's defense is rated at a 70.9 and LSU's offense is rated at a 73. So a much closer matchup. So that in and of itself with LSU being higher, just one other notch in the belt for thinking that LSU is just the better team. Um, everything going into this, the perception to me doesn't, I guess, equate to the reality of the spread. Uh, I think these things are coming into the line and I think they're wrong. You know, Tennessee coming off of the bye week last week, they just beat Florida at home. You know, everything with Hendon Hooker being a Heisman contender, uh, the LSU week one loss with the Florida state stink, I think is still on them a little bit. Um, the fact that my own captain's pick of the week and taking LSU, uh, Last week, thinking that they were going to blow out Auburn didn't happen at night in Jordan-Hare. I now know uh, that that was because Ed also took LSU. So I fault Ed completely for that pick going awry. Um, and the biggest thing is just people just don't like Brian Kelly. Um, and so they're just going to constantly deflate his value. And um, reality is his LSU is good. They're good on defense. That's usually pretty good when it means that they're at home. Um, and I have to feel like you mentioned the sandwich game, but I think another one too is, is, is Tennessee kind of feeling themselves a little bit as well. They had a whole off week to think about this. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, just give me Death Valley. Give me the Tigers. Uh, it, that's just where the value is on this one is too. Interesting enough, the over-under being at 64, I have to believe that that's because I, I, I assume they think that LSU is going to be able to score points 
Um, it, and the matchup just shows that it's going to be there. So I do think that LSU is going to surprise a lot of people on, on their offensive side of the ball is what I'm trying to get at. Does that still feel kind of high? Like, or like Robert, as you, as you round us out here, that's a really high over under for this game. Way too high, in my opinion. I, yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, it's because I don't feel great about LSU's offense. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, Chris, I don't know how you can say that they're the better team when, you know, they just squeaked out a game against Auburn that their head coach is a dead man walking. Like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, um, I mean, Tennessee need like double overtime to beat Pitt and Pitt's a good team, but they're not. We're, we're forgetting yeah, about night, night voodoo that happens at Jordan hair. It wasn't just it a bone thing. Hare. It's just, it it's, just it's like the Bermuda triangle of the SEC. Weird which only works there. Which only works unless we pick them. Because when we do pick Jordan Hare voodoo, <laughs> Penn State goes in there and waxes them. Night. I, I didn't pick that. Night Jordan Hare voodoo is yeah, what is the differentiator. True. It's one of the only ones I got right this year. Uh, yeah. First instinct, definitely go with Tennessee. Um, I like a smaller spread here for the higher ranked team, even on the road. Um, I think the matchup to watch is Hinden Hooker against that LSU defense that you guys have, you know, really hit home that they are, they are really solid, um, especially up front in the front seven. Um, now they've only really played, I would say two, I'll call capable quarterbacks this year. And that's Jordan Travis from Florida state. And it's Will Rogers from Mississippi state. Um, they beat Rogers. They lost to Travis. Um, I, I think that this hooker matchup looks a little bit more like the Jordan Travis matchup than the Will Rogers matchup. Um, and so the difference between um, Travis and hooker versus Rogers is deep balls. So Jordan Travis and Hendon hooker both take a lot more shots. Um, according to pro football focus, they both throw deep balls, which is passes of 20 plus yards on just under 20% of their pass attempts. And they both grade over 91 out of hundred on those passes. Whereas Will Rogers only throws deep balls on less than 7% of all pass attempts. Um, so Mississippi state's offense was kind of more of a, though it's an air raid quote unquote, it's more of just a bunch of dink and dunk passes. They don't take a lot of shots. And so with LSU being so strong up front, even though Mississippi State's not really running the ball, they're still do keeping everything close to the line of scrimmage, and those guys just feasted. Um, whereas Florida State, you know, they bring some variety. They stretch the field vertically and horizontally, and they test that LSU secondary. Um, and they did enough to win. And so I expect Tennessee to do the same thing because they do. Hendon Hooker is one of, if not the best deep ball passer in the country. Um, that's always been his strength. Um, got a cannon of an arm and he's accurate down the field. Um, and I think that this will be enough to give them the win, probably by a touchdown, um, especially since he can keep plays alive with his feet as well. Uh, that's something Jordan Travis could do as well, was he's very mobile. And so I think that those two factors combined, um, yeah, I just think it gets it done. So, balls by a touchdown. We lost Ed. He'll come back. He'll come back. He might be having some some, some internet issues. There he is. There he is. Well, um, guys, where will we be betting these? Betting them all on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And 
I'll tell you what, I, I told you guys this last week. It's it's still the same this week. It's the absolute best place. If you are a new user to sports betting, if you want to get into it, this is the most user-friendly, risk-averse way to get into it. Because with DraftKings, when you sign up now, bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets if the team that you bet on wins. Really, really simple. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up game same stepped-up same-game parlays. That's the phrasing. You can do it once per game day all season long. This isn't a one-time use thing. You can do this all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code SOS when you sign up. That's promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. All right, fellas. This is a fun game. This is this is as fun as football gets. The Washington State Cougars plus 13 at what we can kind of start to if Alabama's the evil empire, then what's USC um to college football? They used to be the evil empire, but now they're, they're, they're more the, like uh, the the wicked stepsister. To get super nerdy in the Star Wars lexicon, they're they're the the trade uh, organization that's in the there trade as well. federation. They're partners, yeah, oh, they're, they're they're that's very good. much a part of that too. So very corporate, uh, but still, uh, you know, just as as bad of associated entity as as they are with the um, the empire. To to get a little nerdy as well. Um, the Lannisters from Game of Thrones, House Lannister, they're definitely USC fans in USC. They're USC alums, like they're old money USC alums, for sure. Um, for all my Game of Thrones and House of Dragon fans out there, does that make sense? House Lannisters, USC. Yes, I'm in the middle of rewatching that right now, and it's been super fun. So that's a that's a great pull Targaryen. by you. I might say they're the Targaryens. You know, once great, really? faded away. No, no. Kind the of off on their own, coming back. And when they come back, they're going to absolutely destroy everything and cause so the much The Targaryens feel very Ohio State to me. We're going off the rails here. Yeah, this, this, is, is, great. this is getting this is getting interesting. This, that really was the next bullet point. <laughs> A Game of Thrones universe podcast. That's shame. <laughs> no, um, but in all Sons seriousness, this, of game, Thrones. This, <laughs> this game is 7.30 p.m. on Fox. The over-under is 66 at Washington State or USC. Yeah, I'm not a huge Pac-12 uh, gambler, I will admit, but I'm on Washington State here. I really like what USC has offensively. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've been pretty solid, you know, completely across the board. Jordan Addison has been as advertised. Caleb Williams has been as advertised. Um, you know, they're doing what you'd expect them to do. But I like this Washington State team. Um, they're four and one against the spread. They're four and one in their record. Um, Cam Ward's been pretty good out of the transfer portal for them. And, you know, even in their only loss to Oregon, you know, they lost 44 41. So they're hanging around with the competition that they're playing, uh, beating the teams they should. 
And I, I think it's, I, I do kind of like the over uh, in this one as well. There's going to be a lot of points, but I, I just, I don't know about USC yet. I, I, if the line was closer to like, if, even if it was 12, I would probably take USC. But at 13, I, I think Washington State can hang around. Um, we've seen a lot of that recently. Teams hanging around in these big spread games. So I need to see a little bit more out of USC. We're only in week five uh, for me to, you know, have confidence that they're going to blow somebody out that has had success so far this year against other Power 5 programs. So I'm going to go with Washington State, mainly because it's just a really big spread. And uh, I'll I'll probably be totally, totally wrong. And Caleb Williams will throw eight touchdowns, and Jordan Addison will throw three himself as well. Um, So who knows? But I'm going to go with Washington State to cover a pretty big spread. You know what, Ed, I've been on the Cougars since the offseason. I took them over five and a half wins. They're easily going to get that. It looks like they're already at four. And I'm on them again here. I do not think they will win this game. They will probably lose it by 10, 12 points, something like that. But 13 is a little bit high for me. And the reason is because USC has been a good team this year. And I think there's this idea floating around that USC's beating everybody by 30, 40 points. That's not that's not what's happening. Um, USC's margin of victory this season has been a little bit lower than you would kind of think. They won by 13 at Stanford, not a very good Stanford team. They won by three at Oregon State, a good Oregon State team, but not even close to the, the talent level and speed and athleticism that USC has. 17-point winners against Arizona State, who is an abysmal, abysmal football program right now. So now saying they're going to beat Washington State by more than 13 points a good Washington state team who has much improved defensively. And oh yeah, they run the ball pretty darn well. Number 25 in EPA per rush offense against a USC defense that they create a lot of turnovers, but they cannot stop the run. They're one of the worst run defenses in the country at 118th in EPA per rush defense. So I like Washington state in this one to at least keep it close and make it a game. I I think Cam Ward's a really darn good quarterback and they are building a culture in Pullman, Washington of defensive, hard-nosed football. It's completely different than what we saw with Mike Leach, but it's working up there. It really is working. Uh, another thing that I wanted to point out is last week, Washington State, really impressive 28-9 to win over Cal, a, a good Cal team, team that will probably finish over 500. Cam Ward had two interceptions in the end zone for that game. That game could have been an absolute blowout. It could have been a 42 to 9 football game. So I I think this Washington State team might be a little bit better than what people think they are. Um that win at Wisconsin doesn't mean as much anymore because Wisconsin's terrible. But um I, I really like this Washington State team. So I'm going Wazoo plus 13. I really wanted to take Wazoo just to fade, you know, kind of keep that USC bias stink off of me. And and hopefully that would mean that USC would win. Emotional hedge. Emotional hedge. Uh, you yeah. named it there. Um, I just, I was actually at, uh, back in 2013, I was at the Wazoo game at the Coliseum where Lane Kiffin lost 10 to seven, I think it was. And then the following week was the ASU lost tarmac firing event too. And I remember all the fire lane uh kind of uh, what is it signs that were posted up all over the, the campus as well that was good times um but for me this is something to where 
I think both with uh, some some metric graphs I've seen on Twitter as well as S and P Plus had this at about USC minus ten in terms of the analytical rundown in the matchup. Um, that's that's close and near uh, minus. Excuse me, the thirteen point spread. Uh, the reality for me is, is and you named that um, with USC's defense, their biggest Achilles heel is their rush defense overall. Um, but I just don't think that Wazoo has the running offense to be able to exploit that matchup. They're they're 95th overall in SRS rated rushing offense and 75th rated overall in passing offense. And that's, I mean, other than the absolute track meet that kind of ended up being with the Oregon game, um, you haven't really seen that. Uh, with the other matchups as well. And you have to ski, excuse me, you have to score to keep up with USC. Um, and I do feel like at home against equivalents and just basically power five type competition, regardless of who their opponent is right now, I think they're capable of putting up 40 on anybody if they can get that kind of game plan to hit and they're in alignment and they're just doing what they do. And I remember watching them last weekend and I'm just the team speed difference for USC when they're in just fully clicking as an offense is really special to watch. Um, Caleb Williams to uh, Jordan Addison is, is an awesome kind of dynamic there as well. Um, and just, I don't think that, and I'm probably saying this and Wazoo is going to explode on offense, but um, just, you have to be able to have the ability to score points. You know, we're, we're going to allude to the, probably this when we get to the VT game, you got to score points in college football to keep up with the best teams. And I, I just don't think they'll be able to, they'll be able to score. I just don't know if they'll be able to score enough. Um, so the other thing was just understanding what Lincoln Riley brings to the table. And you named it earlier, Sam, in terms of just his teams haven't necessarily ever historically blown other teams out. Um, so that is the one thing to look at as a, but it's on the margins in this game. So it's, it's his historic margin of victory in conference games, uh, from when he was at OU. And we talked about it last week in terms of OU's, talent level on offense at least being equivalent to what usc currently has um 22 and 26 against the spread but that margin of victory is at 12.2 so it's like right there on the verge of the 13 point spread here so it's literally to me this is a 50 50 coin flip um at the end of the day i don't like taking road dogs that i don't think can win um so i don't like I think of it like a, a wet blanket approach to betting on a backdoor cover more so than having confidence that Wazoo can just either a keep this game to the very end. And it's basically like an end of game field goal situation or win outright. And I, I just, like I said, I'm probably going to look like an idiot when Wazoo wins this game outright in a surprise game, but I just don't see at least on paper, a scenario where Wazoo has a glide path other than just USC having a miserable night, turnovers, you name it. Um, but the, the matchup isn't there, at least, for them to be able to, at least on paper, look like they can win this game outright. And so I'm, I'm, I'm regretfully laying the points. I'm taking the Trojans at home. I got my USC Pac-10 basketball hat on here um, in, in support for my Trojans here. But I just couldn't. I couldn't confidently take Wazoo thinking that they're going to score points on the road. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be more tempted to take this line if it was 14 or more, but it's not. Um, I think that, you know, the points you guys made earlier, I do think Wazoo is a legit team. And I think that, you know, they have turned heads for a good reason, but I think that this 
is not a good matchup for them. Um, and I especially, I don't know, it is hard to tell what they have defensively um, because I do agree that that is an emphasis, but at the same time, the only really, I, I'll even say above average offense they've ha- they've played was Oregon and they gave up 44. Um, I love Cam Ward. Really to do. Bo Nix. To Bo Nix. Right, to Bo, to Bo Nix. We'll get to uh, Bo Nix later in this podcast. Don't worry about yes, it. Yes, we will. Um, I, I love Cam Ward, and I'm sad Brett's not on this podcast because that's his guy. He absolutely adores Cam Ward. Um, he brings a lot of good things to the table, but he's very turnover prone. He has seven interceptions in five games, and he's also been sacked 14 times, and that's a bad combo because USC's defense – uh, if you're an NFL fan, I like to think of USC's defense as like the Trayvon Diggs of defenses. Uh, Trayvon Diggs being a corner from the Cowboys where you look up and he's probably given up a hundred yards to your favorite receiver, but he's also picked off two passes. And so he's a stat sheet stuffer, but he's also giving up a lot of yards. And that's sort of what USC's defense is. They give up a lot of yards, but they feed on big plays. So they are number one in the FBS right now in interceptions, and they are fifth in sacks. And as I said earlier, Cam Ward, a lot of picks, a lot of sacks. Um, I think USC will just force too many negative plays for Wazoo to keep up with this USC offense that, while maybe not scoring as much, has um, you know managed to take care of the ball well. So I think USC wins this by 21 or more. It'll be a really fun game. I think you're looking at two quarterbacks that a lot of people want to tune in and watch. Cam Ward, obviously a lot of hype coming from the FCS level. Um, a guy that the Hokies probably looked at to getting to come to Blacksburg. And then Caleb Williams, obviously, it doesn't need to be said that he's in the Heisman conversation, that he's just really darn good. So it should be a fun game. All right, one more Pac-12 game. You guys ready for this one? Because I sure am. The Utah Utes are four and a half point favorites at UCLA. This game will take place on Fox at 3.30 p.m. The over-under is 65. Another high game total for this one. The Utes and the Bruins. Ed, who we got? I'm on UCLA here. Um, I'm 1-0 betting against Utah so far this year back to week one. So I'm going to continue to bet against Utah. And Dorian Thompson Robinson has been the quarterback at UCLA for 10 years. Um, yep. And I think he finally figured it out this time. So he, he, I expected him to be what he has been in his career, and he has been significantly better than that. And it's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, he's actually been better than Cam Rising has been for Utah. Uh, if you really just take those two stats and line them up right next to each other, Thompson Robinson's got over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one pick. Um, and an extremely high QBR. So he's been playing really, really good football for the Bruins. Um, and that is why I'm going to take them as a four-and-a-half-point home underdog. Um, they're coming off of a really good win. Uh, they're the home team in this game. I mean, everything to me just points at them. I mean, they were able to put up 40 and win by eight against Washington last week. Uh, they're kind of riding high, and they're coming in with four-and-a-half points to play with. So I'm going to take UCLA, um, led by a good quarterback, uh, playing good ball right now, and the four points at home uh, is very appealing to me. So UCLA. I'm not betting against Utah ever, really. 
ever. I really like UCLA. Um, I yeah, we I know, wa- we know. No, I had Washington last week, and I was watching that game. And I was like, oh my gosh, like UCLA has dudes that make plays, and DTR is fun to watch. He like this is what we were promised with him, right? Like, I, he's a difference maker, and this is a really good UCLA team. But let's kind of look at this from a a holistic standpoint. UCLA's 2022 win total was set at eight and a half, which a lot of people thought was a little bit high, but eight and a half. They already have five wins. Okay. Seven games left on their schedule. They have to play Utah, this game, Oregon, and USC. So even if UCLA was to get the over in their win totals, they would still have those three losses, presumably, right? To Utah, Oregon, and USC, who are three more talented, better teams, right? Um, Do we really think UCLA is like a 10-win team? Do we we think they're going to beat UCLA and Oregon? Probably not. Are we overreacting to them a little bit? Probably, right? Because if their over-under win total was set at eight and a half, and they still have those three teams left, that means we probably expected them to start this season 5-0. and I mean, they played four cupcakes. They almost lost to South Alabama. And then they beat a Washington team who's better than we expected. But that Washington team still has some holes in their team. So I, I think this is a good UCLA team. They're probably better than we gave them credit for. I think we've kind of forgot that Chip Kelly's really good at coaching football. Um, but... They're going to lose a game this year, and this is probably it. I don't care that they're playing at home in the Rose Bowl because like 25 people show up to those games. So there is no home environment at all there. And Utah's been beating the ever-living crap out of people. Since that Florida game, Utah has, they beat Southern Utah, which this doesn't count, but they beat them by 66. Uh, They beat San Diego State by 28. They beat Arizona State by 21. And they beat Oregon State by 26. They're not just winning, they're dominating games. This is what they do. They don't let up on the gas pedal. When they bring in subs in the fourth quarter, those subs still play really, really well. Utah's, don't overthink it. Utah's a college football playoff caliber team. They're really, really special this year. Four and a half is is not nearly enough points. Bet them. Yep, that's all I I got. I, I must have really overthought this one because I'm also taking UCLA plus four and a half at home. Um, and I take that uh, begrudgingly because I hate UCLA. But I, I feel like this is another one where the public is kind of uh, not properly valuing what UCLA is as a football team right now. Um, it's kind of that preseason carryover. Utah, obviously, they had that blemish to start off the season, but they were higher rated coming out. And, you know, UCLA was preseason unranked, and it took them a while to even get momentum at their current phone record to break into the AP top 25. So, this is a lot of public preseason type perception. And for them to be at, at this point, a four and a half point road favorite uh, versus a team like UCLA. But the one thing I took away from that matchup, uh, from Utah facing Florida in the beginning of the season is, is is this the type of team that has a tough time with a strong quarterback that can run and a strong rushing dynamic between the quarterback and the running back, um, which is, you know, that's what UCLA is. That's their strength is DTR getting 
essentially in space and just creating plays. And we saw that, and that was the same thing that um, uh, Richardson did week one to them as well. He did, he basically made plays with the feet to keep Florida in that game the entire time. Um, and I don't know if that's just a one-time fluke, but it is the common denominator. Uh, and I think that DTR is a better overall athlete than Richardson is, and he's more experienced, at least as a quarterback. They, they might be have equivalent athleticism. They're, they're both really dynamic runners. Um, and so I'm just going to go with that common denominator as what is going to tip the skills to UCLA, at least taking them as a home dog. Um, in terms of SRS and PFF, UCLA actually rates out across the board as the better team. Um, and those are opponent adjusted metrics for the most part, at least on SRS. Um, so they're also at least metrically the better team. Um, I do believe that Utah is obviously a really strong football team, but UCLA is, is it's not like they are a soft four and I think they're a very solid program. Um, also just under chip Kelly, we always forget, like you said, that he's actually a pretty good coach. Um, and he's been there since 2018. So he has some sample size here, but just against conference opponents, 2014, that's 58% against the spread, uh, as an underdog, he's 14, 11 and two. So 56. So you are getting some plus value there. Um, it's not heavily skewed, but it still is plus value, but if anybody has significant trend to look at, it's, it's Kyle Whittingham. I feel like he's. He's been at Utah uh, since the state was founded, uh, but as an away favorite, he's uh, 26 and 29. That's 47%. So that's negative value there in terms of their ability to perform against uh, opponents where they are a favorite team on the road. Um, so the last thing I looked at and the one thing I usually like to do is just when in doubt, fade the public. 67% of the action right now is on Utah. Uh, so I, I, I think that feeds into the narrative I talked about before in terms of just perception of these teams. Um, it fed into the narrative last time when, uh, what is it, your, your sissy blue shirts and, and LSU coming on the road, think they're going to dominate. And what did, what did UCLA do? They, they, they brought them back to earth. I don't think Utah is going to have that much uh, uh, hubris coming into this game, but it, it, it's something where UCLA is, is not going to get slapped around and, and what I considered to be a pretty empty stadium. <laughs> so it'll be an, it'll be an echo to the slap. You'll be able to hear it all the way throughout the Rose bowl, but give me uh give me begrudgingly the Bruins. They are good. I hate saying it out loud, but it does help. It's like therapeutic. You know, I think, uh, I think my fear here for Utah um, is kind of what you were talking about, Sam with Tennessee is, is the fear of a letdown. Um, because let's not forget Utah is hosting USC next Saturday. And that is, I mean, that's a game they've had circled on their calendar for the whole off season, really. It's, um, it's the game. It's the ever game since, in the Pac-12. Really, ever since Lincoln Riley took that job, Utah's had that game circled, right? And so, you know, I would have some fear about them kind of trotting into a top 20 kind of quiet stadium and maybe have laying an egg a little bit. Um, and yeah, UCLA, they've proven that they're no slouch. You know, you guys have talked about it. Um, you know, Chip Kelly, DTR, like those guys have been together for five years. Um, you add on the fact that like they have Charbonnet running back and Jake Bobo, like all of these guys are veteran players. You know, they've, they've all been playing college football a long time. Um, for a coach that has 
been coaching in college football for a long time. Um, they're experienced. And granted, that's a strength for Utah too. It's why Sam loves them so much is because they have so much experience and so much stability. Um, my point here is not necessarily that UCLA is better. My point is that it's enough of a toss-up that I'm going to take the points for the home for the home team here. And so I think four and a half at home for UCLA, where I do think they, they can compare in areas to Utah with that big game looming for Utah, take the points. It'll be a really, really big game. It'll be a really fun one. One that won't be so important and probably not as fun will be when our beloved, beloved Hokies, travel up to the house of horrors that is uh robert what is the field accenture acupuncture field what is it <laughs> acupuncture uh, that was good acupuncture uh, ac- yeah i thought it was a creature but it's acupuncture well they no, pronounce everything a little right. bit differently in in pittsburgh they do. So. look it's what's the yinzer uh, pronunciation the of acupuncture uh, yeah, well, the, the Hokies are going there. They're 14 and a half point dogs. They just got their tails whipped by Carolina. Um, Ed, what, what are your thoughts on the Hokies right now? They're so bad. Oh my gosh, they're so bad. I mean, they're just so bad. Um, I have no idea what the, I mean, I'm not going to beat this, beat this to death. Pit by like 17, pit by 24. Uh, we'll be lucky if we score 13 points. Um, Pitt's not that great either. They just lost to Georgia Tech, but we can't score. And until I see any reason to think otherwise, I mean, we, I have no faith in us scoring more than 10 points a game. Um, and do I think that Pitt will score upwards of 27 to 30? Maybe not. Um, I, I, it depends which defense we see because the defense early in the year for the Hokies was pretty good. The defense last week in Carolina looked just completely overwhelmed. Um, and I don't think Carolina's offense is as good or Pitt's offense is as good as Carolina's, excuse me. But I, again, I've just have no faith in Virginia Tech's ability to put the ball in the end zone. Um, unless some of these receivers start catching the ball um, and some of these old linemen decide to open some holes for Keyshawn King or Bryce Duke. I, I just don't see how we can score enough to keep up with the 14 and a half, even though that is a huge number. Uh, it's ridiculous that I'm saying this, but I until I, I prove otherwise, I, I got to go pit. I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around any of this. And I'm looking at the slate. You know, we've talked about a bunch of really good 3.30 games today, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to watch at 3.30 on Saturday? Uh, I may need to pull down the second TV so I can have Virginia Tech off in the corner where they belong for right now. But, I mean, I am encouraged by Daquan Wright and Bryce Duke and Mansour Delaney, these guys, these young guys playing and playing pretty well. Um, but we're just we're just not even close to there uh, offensively for me to have any faith in them being able to cover the spread. So I'm going to go with Pitt and hope I'm wrong. You know, I I think you brought up a good point there with the young guys. And last week I used the analogy of, or the metaphor, I guess, of golf, right? So when you're in a round of golf and something's wrong with your swing, you're not going to fix it during the round, right? It's It's not going to happen. Virginia Tech's in that round of golf. All of the issues are not going to be fixed midseason in practice. They're just not. There's not enough instruction time. There's not enough time in between games. Um, these guys aren't going to get that much bigger, faster, stronger over week to week. 
However, the second most important part of golf, one, understanding what you can and cannot fix and when you can fix those. Very, very important to becoming a good golfer. The second most important thing to remember when you're golfing, actually maybe the first, is to realize when you suck, right? And to just take that in stride. And I think last week, something really important happened for the Virginia Tech program because I think at some point in that game, Brent Pry looked to his left down the sidelines and then he looked to his right down the sidelines and he realized, oh my God, we are terrible. And then he did what he should have done. He honestly did what James Franklin, his you know mentor and former colleague did at Vanderbilt. He just brought in the young guys. He said, you're talented. I'm going to put you in the game. You're talented. You're going in the game. You don't have experience. They're probably undersized. But he's throwing in these freshmen and sophomores and young guys to get playing time to build a program. I really loved that step that he took last week because there's some of these guys who have been in this program for four or five years and they're just not good football players and we don't need to see them on the field anymore. We really don't. It's doing good for no one. And because of that, I think you're going to get a little bit of a spark somewhere that might help the Hokies out. I know they've been really bad. I think they're a really bad team, but you don't need to be that good to cover 14 and a half against a Pittsburgh team that I think is still vastly overrated. So with that being said, um, I'm going to take the Hokies plus 14 and a half. They're not going to win this game. They're probably going to lose by 14, but that 0.5 is enough for me. So I'm going to go with the Hokies. Also, Malachi Thomas should be back um, in some capacity. Redshirt so, Malachi Thomas. Petition to redshirt Malachi Thomas. I'm I completely in agreement I, with our, our humble leader, Billy Ray Mitchell, on that one. I There's th no reason to play that guy. I think if Thursday, if he's not to 100% by Thursday, uh, you do redshirt him. I do think that. But if he's 100%, throw him out there. See what he can do because – a two-back system with Malachi Thomas and Keyshawn King is a adds something to this offense that they simply haven't had. So go go for that. I'm going Hokies plus 14 and a half. I hate it. I hate it. They're disgusting. I hate watching them play. It makes me want to vomit. It makes me want to go get a degree from another college so I can root for their football team. But I can't do that. So um plus 14 and a half. We're riding with them. Sam, uh, second week with the golf analogy. We're gonna we're gonna switch your name, but we start calling you Chubbs here with your sage-like advice. So thank you for that. Uh, I'm surprised when you say when you realize you suck, you didn't start saying uh, to just begin slamming beers and break out the sleeve of Dunlops and enjoy your time there for the golf game. If that's if what I do. If you haven't started drinking in this college football season for Virginia Tech yet, you need to start. If you start now, you'll probably sober up by the time the basketball team starts playing. I can't argue with that. That's a great strategy. Uh, as previously mentioned, um, I just, from, from Ed, I don't see a roadmap for not only just VT being able to win a game, but to just keep it close. The offense is just that bad. Um, and as you alluded to, I don't know how you dynamic, how you change that dynamic midseason. Um, this is going to be a complete retooling of, or at least rebasing of who's on offense, who's starting, who's getting snaps, scheme, you name it. And I, I, without 
just uh, uh like maybe like a special advisor or someone coming in for the Hokies to just kind of say hey we need to start from scratch and doing that maybe during the bye week uh but not week to week this is going to be something where they're going to have a little bit more time to look at it um so it's just it's just a bad roster it, it, at least on the offensive side and uh the last two times we went in with a to pit with a bad roster uh granted i think it was more on the defensive side of the ball it was 2018 52 to 22 loss um, and then 2020, 47-14 loss. And that was actually with a pretty good offensive roster at the time for, for both of those. Um, so we're, we're just not in sync and, and alignment, at least in terms of being a good overall roster. We just don't play well at Pitt. It's like, it's like going to BC. It's like going to Cuse. It's not a place we play very well on the road to start. Mm-hmm. And that's in lieu of, you know, while Pitt doesn't necessarily have world-beating level of talent themselves, they're still pretty good, at least in terms of their front seven. That doesn't necessarily bode well for us to get the rushing game going this week. Um, and it's not hyperbole at this point. VT, basically, when you factor in rushing and passing, has the worst offense in power five football. Yeah. I, I would, I, that's not hyperbole. Um, I'm not taking a whole lot of stock in the Georgia Tech game. I, I feel like that was just one of those random anomalies of coastal chaos. Uh, and if anything, it probably made Pitt even more mad. Uh, to be able to come out and perform pretty dominantly in this matchup this week. So I do think that they'll be at least ready to play. Um, the, the other one that I found this pretty alarming, 78% of the early action was on the Hokies. So I feel like there's just a lot of public misunderstanding of what actually they're looking at right now, which is this is a really bad offensive football team that I don't see a glide path to them. Like we talk about doing 30 burgers, 20. Try scoring 14, two touchdowns I, at least. I don't think Virginia Tech scores 20 in this game. I think so, it's it's like 24-13 pit. So what like I really wanted to look at was just historically how bad they are in offense and then rate that out in terms of just other really historically bad offenses, at least in the ACC, because our listeners probably have more of a familiarity with some of the more historically bad ACC offenses. So right now we're on path to score... 180 total points as a football team in 2022. That's bad. That's 18 points per game. Um, only ACC teams to score at or less than that margin in, since 2010. So we're thinking like last 10 years, but also, uh, assuming not 2010, 2012, uh, not the last 10 years, but also modern offenses, like that installment of these new more spread, kind of spread them out type offenses in the last decade. So 2020 Cuse was one of them, uh, finished one in 10. Uh, 2019 Georgia Tech finished three and nine. Wake and BC in 2015 both finished three and nine. 2014 Cuse and Wake also both finished three and nine. And 2013 Wake finished four and eight. Another one was just kind of just looking back and just realizing, forgetting almost how bad Wake was on offense pretty much the entire 2010s. I was about to uh, say, what an awful stretch. Gosh. The common the common denominator is just not a lot of wins out there. And these weren't teams that were trying to lose close. They were getting blown out pretty much across the board. Other than that awesome 0-0 uh, famous Virginia Tech game, which we were uh, unfortunately weird. a part of that. Weird, it's man. good to be a part of history, folks. Uh, bottom line, this is modern college football. We alluded to it when we talked about the USC game. You have to be able to score to even have a competitive chance to compete. We hear it from Coach Pry every single week. You got to be able to compete, but you don't have the offense to even do that. So you can't compete. You're, you are fundamentally incapable of competing with how bad this offense is. Uh, so I, I, I'm resetting my expectations uh, and just thinking that we're just facing 
kind of an all-time kind of low in terms of my time of being a fan associated with Virginia Tech and, and just how much and how bad this offense is. And when you factor in all of the equivalent talent, the new minds and, and philosophies and schemes from a, a, a mixture of experienced and inexperienced coaches, it's just the, it's the manifestation of just a lot of, uh, of bad football right now in Virginia Tech. And going into this matchup, I just don't see how they keep it close, to be honest. Sad, but true. Well, let me uh, let me pull up my notes here. Let me see the points that I wrote down. Okay. Uh, misery. Mm-hmm. This is misery. Mm-hmm. Pitt stinks, but we are so much worse. Yep. Bet the under and pray the Hokies are at least still in it by halftime. Yep. Because this will be an ugly game. These offenses stink. I am tempted. I feel like logically, I actually am pretty tempted to take the Hokies in the points because 14 and a half is a pretty absurd spread for an offense that's as lackluster as Pitts is. But I just I'm I'm putting my my flag down right now and I am saying I am not picking Virginia Tech to cover a spread until they do it because they have not proven that they can even hang in there with a power five opponent besides Boston College who sucks so yeah I'm just taking pit emotional hedge no that's that's fair enough the Hokies are six and 12 against the spread since 2021 so not only have they been bad they have been underperforming how bad they were supposed to be uh so it's look, it's an uphill battle. Our, our friend, uh, our friend Parker Stato War on Twitter has the Hokies projected at 4.24 points <laughs> this weekend. Um, but look, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. I, at some point, those that deep ball to Kayla Smith is going to hit. At some point, something's going to happen. I don't think they're going to win the game. I don't think they're going to even play well, but. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than the Carolina game was. Um, that's what I'm going with. Alrighty. Let's move into our special picks of the week. Some fun ones here, as you can see from our backgrounds, our producer, Dom, that thought seems fun to say our producer. Uh, he's, he found some stats for Brett's game. So Dom, can you, can you help us out with Brett's nutty pick of the week? Yeah, I think I uh, got some good stats for you here. We're looking at a grueling Big Ten matchup this week, Iowa at Illinois. Game total under is 35 and a half. We're taking that over under 35 and a half. We love the under. The under is four and one in Iowa's uh, all Iowa games this year. They have the eighth total defense, while Illinois got the fifth. So two really good defenses. Iowa's offense is also just atrocious. I mean, they're 130th out of 131 teams ranked 130th. So very bad. I think we could see a similar game to like the seven to three game against South Dakota state that Iowa had something like that. I think all signs point under, I think the total could be 25 and I'd still take it. <laughs> so under. That's disgusting. That's mm-hmm. absolutely horrendous. Expect, um, that is certifiably points. insane, but it's definitely going to Virginia hit. tech and Iowa played. What would the game total be? Oh, I mean, who who even wants to think about that? That's just who would watch first that to double digits wins? Like, ooh, they could uh, do like Elam scoring. I think that would just bring about the apocalypse. Like, we would literally just travel back in time. Like, it, it would yeah. just set civilization back a few a few centuries. That's 
they yes. they could play the game, but they would have to wear leather helmets from like 1920. Yeah, that's the. In be fact, pretty, that that probably be the yeah. only way I'd want to watch that game. I don't. Yeah, I don't believe there'll be many people watching the game. <laughs> pretty bad. Pretty pretty bad. All right, Ed, your southern fried, your southern deep fried game of the week. You know, coming into the year, we thought that this game would be, you know, one of the best games of the entire season. Turns out Texas A&M still bad. Jimbo Fisher still bad, even though he can recruit. But we have to throw this game on here, right? Texas A&M at Alabama, 8 p.m. at Bryant-Denny. Um, after all the off-season drama, you have to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about it. Alabama's going to win by 24-plus, which is the line right now. Um, the number one recruiting class of all time at Texas A&M. The history of college football recruiting. They have the number one recruiting class of all time. They are three and two and still favored to lose by 24 to Nick Saban. Um, roll Tide. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Roll Tide. 8 p.m. in Bryant-Denny. I mean, give me Nick Saban just absolutely hammering Jimbo Fisher. Without I mean, Bryce Young. Without Bryce Young, I will add. It doesn't matter. That, that dude that they brought in is a is a freight train. That was Derrick Henry with an arm. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, I think I'm with you on that one. Bama by 30 plus. I hope so. I would just love to see Nick Saban just destroy. I can't wait for the post-game handshake. It's going to be great. Going to be great. All right. Well, my graveyard shift game of the week. This is a game that you need to stay up late for. I got him back here. Ed's trying to kill my boys. He's not going to do it. Oregon minus 13 at Arizona. Arizona's terrible. They're a bad football team. I'm fading Arizona. Uh, yes, the game is at Arizona. It's not at Autzen Stadium, but it was a pretty stadium with a pretty sky, so I picked it. Um, also, Oregon, tough, tough loss to start the year to Georgia. But since then, playing pretty good. They have a win against Washington State. They have a win against BYU. Oregon has a lot of football left to play. And I'm telling you, an 11 and one Pac 12 champ whose one loss is a basically true road game to Georgia, that's a playoff resume. So I know Bo Nix is not great, but he is playing better in this offensive scheme. And he has a lot of weapons around them. And defensively, Oregon flies around better than probably anybody in the Pac 12 athlete wise so ducks by a billion against arizona by a billion 13 is not nearly enough i will probably win this game in the 20s so give me the ducks that's billion with a b billion with a b yes this game will be uh, at 9 p.m eastern on probably like fox or or something you'll find it somewhere pac 12 network that Apparently, no, it's, it's not no on major cable outlets get. Yeah, it's not on Pac-12 Network. It'll be on something. That's yeah. good. That's good. Chris, your captain's choice of the week. Well, after what was a pretty uh, uh, disappointing LSU failure last week, thanks to Ed, I had to once again reach back into the well and and remember um, the, the true spirit of trying to find value in the captain's pick of the week. And while I tried to find... Um, if, you're watching on YouTube. You can see my background here. I try to find on Division Two level South Dakota School of Mines. Turns out can't find them on DraftKings right now. So hopefully our DraftKings partners can find some some uh, some action in the Division Two market. Uh, but 
I, I didn't have anything that popped out in lines until the Paul Chris news came out and Wisconsin just inexplicably fired a, a, what I would consider to be a good coach who had a good track record and was just somehow having uh, the kickoff to a, a pretty bad start to the season and had a pretty tough buyout to swallow for the Wisconsin football program. And I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means that they're trying to uh, just hand the keys over to Jim Leonard, something they probably could have done in the offseason, let's be honest. Um, I don't know if there's anything else going on there. But basically, to me, it just shows that Wisconsin's going on the road this week without uh, uh, any semblance of a plan in place. And it, it, if you follow social media, it caught a lot of the current players kind of off guard. So I feel like there's a weird dynamic in in Wisconsin's football program right now. And it's not saying that they're going to go on the road to Northwestern, who stinks. Let's, let's be honest, they stink. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that they're an underdog at home by 10 points, what I consider to be a very low-scoring football game, um, maybe Northwestern's going to play very well because they were able to show their shiny new plans for their $800 million stadium. My God, Big Ten money, if you're able to build a palace on in Evanston, Illinois, for that program, which is terrible. Um, but that's what they're going to do. So. I, I'm I'm not even analytically looking at this game other than the fact that I'm just going with e- emotion and sentiment of the program, which I feel like Wisconsin. I don't know if this is going to be, you know, the the quote unquote viewing theory. If you ever listen to Bill Simmons podcast of addition by subtraction, but I, I can't necessarily see that because Chris was a pretty competent football coach and offensive one at that mindset. So having Jim Leonard lead the cause here as the interim guy with their defensive coordinator, I just don't see that translating to being able to score and cover a 10 point spread on the road against a common big 10 opponent. So this will probably come back to haunt me because I'm betting on a very bad football team, but Hey, that's what degenerates do when you're desperate and you're trying to get your, your individual pick up a little bit, you got to reach into the well a little bit. So uh, one common denominator, Northwestern football uses purple and I'm part of my theme here. So uh, very regal, associated with captain uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of just justify for taking a, a, a inexplicable coach firing this week so why not bet on misery why not robert round us out with your free money bet of the week give the people a winner hey i've been giving people lots of winners uh four and one this year so far on my free money bets which i suppose if they're free money it should be five and oh but i'll take it uh to so i'm going to look at boston college here uh, 20 and a half point dogs at home against Clemson. Um, when I look at Boston College, I feel like to bring in our, I think you should leave reference of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank it's you. like, it's like the sketch with the, the game show and there's the game show mascot and he just doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And the, I feel like I'm the game show host yelling, figure out what you do. And yeah, cause Boston College, what are they doing? They don't know what they're doing. They have looked awful all year. And then they pull out this win against Louisville. Whatever. I don't know. That's not a real football team. They need to figure out what they do because Clemson's really good. And 20 and a half is probably half the number of points Clemson will win this game by. So my free money bet here, take Clemson minus 20 and a half. Yeah, I I came away from that Clemson-NC State game just thinking – Clemson's a really darn good football team because they manhandled without one of their best players. They manhandled 
NC State up front on both sides of the football. So, uh, yep, I like I like Clemson in that one. Well, fellas, it will be a really fun week. Hopefully, the Hokies can figure some stuff out. Um, bold prediction. You guys ready for a bold prediction? Hokies will it. win a game in the month of October. They're going to win one of them. Which one? The, one of them. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know, man. <laughs> I think they win one of them. I mean, it's especially they, bold considering they have a bye in there. So they might win one the rest of the year. They might win one the rest of the year, but might uh, win I, one. I, think, I I I got a feeling, right? They might lose the other two by thirty, but I got a feeling they're going to pull one of these out. They could potentially beat Miami. I don't know that they're going to win in the stadium behind me. No, probably not. I mean, uh, where I where this past weekend we saw one of the greatest catches in college football I've ever seen. Really filthy. That really catch in that Liberty game was unbelievable. It makes our receivers who are dropping balls that hit them, hit both of their hands right at their numbers. Um, we should just have that on repeat the whole the time. Face. What you're meaning to say is right in the face. Where it hits you yeah. in the face. Right in the face. This area. Not here or here, but like right here. I mean, they give them I... sticky gloves and everything, and they still can't catch. Do you put stick on your face mask? Will that help? <laughs> It'd be like the scene from the little giants when he gets the football stuck right in his helmet. You know, there's people on Twitter who are like, you know, if Grant Wells would have thrown that ball harder, it would have just stuck in his face mask, but he didn't do that. So, um, no, I think the Hokies pull one out. I, I think they won weird coastal chaos game. I think the Hokies are the bad coastal team that creates the chaos this year. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll win on uh, RSN for the Miami game. Maybe they'll win where no one can see it. Probably, probably. Yes, right. stat just heard it's the first time since 1995 that the Virginia Tech Miami game is not nationally televised. Yeah. Of course. Oh, how of the mighty have fallen. That's disgusting. Well, that'll do it for week six. Maybe we'll have some more positive hokey talk week seven. Um, probably not. I'm probably dead wrong. But uh, yep, Robert, regardless, sign us out. Go Hokies. Isabella, I'm thinking it through Everything I gotta do